0: Welcome to The Common Rounds. Medical education for medical students by medical students.
1: Welcome to our next episode, um, continuing from our musculoskeletal block, which we're um, getting slowly into. Yes. Um, do you want to tell the audience what our
0: topic is? I think we've kind of alluded to it in our previous podcast. Definitely. So last topic, we went through the three main types of skeletal, sorry, the three main types yeah. of muscle cells. Yep. And now this time, this time, we're going to focus on how these muscle cells contract. Yeah, exactly. I
1: think we should say that if you are not familiar with muscles, if you're just joining us today... Please go back and listen to our previous episode. I don't think it at all makes sense if you don't understand mm. the general structure of muscle. So yeah, go go back and listen to our previous episode. Yeah. But today we'll be talking about how skeletal muscles contract. We'll be talking yeah. about how cardiac muscles uh, contract. Yeah. And we'll also be talking about smooth muscle contraction as well. Yes. Smooth muscle is really different, uh, somewhat different to yeah. to the other two types. Definitely. So we'll um, spend a little bit of time on that as well. Yeah. Before we talk about muscle contraction, though, something mm. needs to cause the muscles to contract, right? Yes,
0: and that something is either nerves that yes. supply that muscle, and this entire term, uh, this entire process is called excitation-contraction coupling. Right? Exactly, in the context of, I guess,
1: um, skeletal muscle. Mm. So there are a few terminologies that we need to mention, and. Okay just to help our audience um, make sense of this. So, yeah. the nerve that supplies skeletal muscle is called the alpha motor neuron, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Now, these alpha motor neurons can either supply a few muscles, mm-hmm. right? And that makes sense if you want really fine control like in your hands. Yeah. Or they could, let's say, supply your bicep, which is really, you know, or, or they could supply a thousand muscles, which are important for really those force. You mean muscle fibers. Muscle fibers, yeah. which are really important mm-hmm. for that big Forceful contractions and not yep. really useful for fine movement. Fine yeah. movement because yep. if you want fine movement, you need to you know stimulate very tiny muscle fibers, not a thousand. Yes. Um, so that's out of the way. That's called innovation ratio. Exactly. Yeah, so that's the mm-hmm. innovation ratio. But there are still some terminologies that we need to clarify. So
0: yeah, what is a motor end plate? Okay, a motor end plate is where the uh, motor fibers join the skeletal muscle.
1: Yeah, I think yeah, it's where you have yeah the motor fibers. No, not during the scleroma's It's the motor fibers, the neurons, mm-hmm. synapsing at the motor fiber. Mm. That's called the motor end plate. Exactly so when the nerve, I mind, yeah, <laughs> yeah you, should, you should kind of yeah, say it's the, the sentiment that counts. But exactly, okay, it. it's yeah. the thought that matters. But, but yeah, it's, it's essentially the name given to the point of contact between the synaptic terminal. Mm-hmm. And the muscle fiber, So that's called the motor end plate. Yeah. It's also called another name, isn't it? Uh, Neuromuscular junction. I think that's what it's called as yeah. well. So they're the three terminologies that you need to be aware of. One, you need to be aware of that alpha motor neurons are important. Yeah. The neuromuscular end plate is important mm-hmm. terminology-wise. And also the um, neuromuscular junction is important as well. Yeah. Now, before we talk about the mechanism of contraction,
0: something needs to stimulate the contraction, right? Do you yes. want to
1: maybe go through the brief process?
0: So with... Um, so, so the initial signal comes from the nerve that yes. innervates the muscle fiber. So a action potential will come down that nerve, travel down the axon, and hit the terminal. Uh, terminal, uh, synaptic junction, terminal, terminal synaptic terminal. Synaptic yeah. terminal. Yeah. So what will happen at the synaptic terminal is the acetylcholine will be released from vesicles from the uh, from the terminal, and that will cross the junction and co- come in contact with acetylcholine. Receptors on this, on the skeletal muscle. Mm -hmm. Once they come in contact with the acetylcholine receptors on this skeletal muscle, that will cause sodium to influx into the skeletal muscle. That will, once it hits a certain point, that will depolarize the skeletal muscle cell enough to send an action potential traveling alongside the, uh, the skeletal muscle membrane, which is called the sarcoplasmic, sorry, the sarcolemma. Yeah, so the cyclone was the membrane, isn't it? So it travels along the membrane.
1: And then Mm. in our previous podcast, we mentioned the T-tubules. And the reason we mentioned T-tubules is because Mm. precisely the way it relates to contraction. Yes. So the action potential then travels down the T-tubules all the way near the uh, towards the psychoplasmic reticulum. Yes. Now, what happens then? What happens once the
0: action potential reaches the sarcoplasmic reticulum? So as the, sorry, as the action potential travels down the T-tubule, it will come across these receptors within the T-tubule called the ryanidine receptors. These guys, not the Ryanodin receptors, the L type calcium, the dihydroprimidine receptors. Oh, yes, that thing. And um, these guys are mechan- mechanically coupled with the psychoplasmic reticulum. No, they're mechanically
1: coupled to the. Jeez, I'm not getting it. No, right. that's okay. Right. It's a really, actually, it's a really complicated area. Yep. So the action potential travels down the T tubules and yep. it meets the L type calcium channels now this is important because it's the drug target so keep that in the back of your mind yeah um the l-type calcium channel belongs to the dihydroprimidine family of calcium channel receptors these dihydroprimidine receptors are mechanically bound to rioting or rhinidine receptors which are on the surface of the cytoplasmic reticulum and they're mechanically bound. Yeah. So what happens is that once the action potential reaches these dihydropyridine receptors, it causes mm. conformational change. Yeah. And it then affects because they're mechanically bound. It causes a change in the ryanodine receptor. Yeah. That causes the release of calcium from the psychoplasmic reticulum. Yes. Do you want to quickly summarise it because that
0: was like a bit of a mouthful? Okay. Okay. So second time's the charm. So the a lot, so the action potential from initiated from the the skeletal uh so the neuromuscular junction will travel down the t-tubules and then they they will they will activate the mechanically coupled uh receptors which are sorry the the name dihydropyrimidine Dihydropyrimidine. Dihydropyrimidine receptors so these dihydropyrimidine receptors are mechanically coupled to the sarcoplasmic reticulum the the big storage of calcium that's within the um within the the muscle cell yep and that mechanical coupling will cause What's the thing that causes the mechanical there's a receptor you remember the receptor? yeah the ryanidine receptors yeah. on the sarcoplasmic reticulum
1: to release calcium perfect That's really, we got there in the end. Um, so that's it. And I, and I I think we need to mention that we've mentioned a few neurological or, or, you know, action potential and things like that. Yeah. Don't worry, guys. We'll, when we do our um, neuro block, we'll mention all of these and explain all of these in a lot more detail. Yeah. yeah. We'll just keep that in the back of your mind that action potentials are important. So what happens once this is where it gets really interesting? When the calcium is released from the sarcoplasmic reticulum via mm. um, the ryanodine receptors yep. into the sarcolemma, which is the you know essentially, oh uh, you no know, sorry, into the cytoplasm of the, yes, exactly. the muscle um, cells. Yep. What happens then? Something happens. Okay.
0: So this the intracellular calcium will start binding to troponin C, the troponin site where calcium binds to. Yep. And this causes the troponin to move tropomyosin out of the way. Yes. So, what so
1: tropomyosin was initially, in our previous mm-hmm. talk, we mentioned that it's blocking the actin-myosin binding site, isn't it? Yes.
0: Yep. So, it kind of just, sh- I, I'm just picturing it as it just shifts the cover of the uh, of the binding site out of the way so that actin and myosin can start binding. To yeah. It. Yep. Yep. And this begins a process called cross-bridge cycling. And cross-bridge cycling is a very important concept that you'll need to understand for... All three types of muscle types I think it's very important. And how they work. Yeah. Okay. So, Hammond, why don't you talk us through it?
1: So, you mentioned that the, and once the calcium concentrations increase following release from the sarcoplasmic reticulum, they bind to the troponin C component of the troponin complex, which is a three-protein complex. T-I-N-C. It? T-I-N-C. Perfect. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what happens then is that, um, like you mentioned, it starts the cross-bridge cycling. Yep. Now, Initially, mm-hmm. when the, sorry, when the um, myosin is bound to actin, yep. there's no ATP, right? Mm-hmm. And what happens is that in that position, the myosin and actin are really tightly bound. Mm-hmm. So without the absence of ATP, yeah. these muscles are really rigid in that initial phase. Mm-hmm. And, and, and a way to remember this is that I think, you know, I, I haven't seen this in person. When a pa- patient dies or passes away... Yeah. They often are said to be in the state of rigor or yep. rigor, rigor, which modus. means the yeah. yeah, rigor model, which means that they're really in that tight state. And the reason is that there's no ATP, so the you know actin and myosin in that initial mm. phase are really tightly bound. So their muscles are really tight. Mm.
0: But, so you're saying essentially is that in order for muscles to actually relax, they need ATP to yeah, relax them,
1: which is really counterintuitive, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. So what happens when ATP comes along then?
0: So in a you know when an mm. ATP is available, so ATP will then bind to the myosin. Yep, and this will cause the myosin to actually be released from the actin. Yes, is that yep, correct? exactly yeah. right. The, what happens after that?
1: So once myosin is displaced, it can bind to the next actin subunit. Yep. So as long as the calcium is elevated levels are still present, mm. and that is when you start getting the movement isn't it because you've already seen this move so the myosin moves on to the next actin mm. and then it binds to the actin mm. the adp atp is metabolized into adp so it releases yep. the phosphate unit yeah but again there's no atp present because
0: now you have adp yeah and so the muscle is still tightly bound isn't it mm. and so the adp once once the atp becomes adp the myosin actually does it's this thing called a power stroke yeah so it it uh, just picture it as the myosin head shifts and kind of it's kind of like rowing where the rowers do the power stroke and pull and that pulls the actin myosins together yeah and um i think a uh, go onto youtube have a look yeah it's definitely going to be a lot clearer but that's yeah and uh, go on
1: so Let's yeah uh, so yeah exactly so what yeah. happens next is that so once as we mentioned yeah. atp binds hmm releases the actin mm-hmm. and myosin. The myosin can then move on to the next actin and that then ADP is meta- ATP is metabolized, the ADP. Yep. And until another ATP comes along, the muscle, mm. the actin-myosin remains in this tight bound. Mm. So, then again, the next ATP comes along to displace the ADP and the cycle repeats over oh. and over and over again. So, yep. these my- uh, myosin-actin keep moving along. Now, what then happens is that as soon as the calcium levels drop... This whole process stops and then mm. you
0: don't get any contraction because the once you lose that calcium, the cover closes up again so yep. the tropomyosin gets uh, uh, uh blocked uh, by the troponin and the cross uh, so the actin exactly. myosin can't interact, so, yeah.
1: So the tropomyosin then blocks the you know actin myosin binding site. Yep, my question to you is mm. how does the calcium levels actually fall. Obviously, the action potential stops. But then, how yep. do you? I mean, are there any mechanisms to remove the calcium that's released yep. into the? So
0: there are a few ways for an intracellular um, a, a cell to remove its in, intracellular calcium yep. concentration. And one of the most important ways is this thing called SERCA, which yes. Hamid you mentioned in the last episode. SERCA, what it is, it's spelled S E R C A, but it stands for a sarcoplasmic reticulum calcium ATPase. Yeah. So what it does is that it. It uses ATP to pump calcium into the sarcoplasmic reticulum where, once again, it stores lot, most of its calcium. Do you remember where it's stored? Uh, yes. So, when the calcium goes inside the sarcoplasmic reticulum, they bind to uh, cal, the cal-, cal- se- sequestrin. That's the one, yeah. And that's where – it's. I, I believe cal sequestrin is like this huge protein that, that just has lots of calcium yeah, stuff it. Yeah, because you can't have you – know,
1: calcium has a positive charge. You can't have these mm-hmm. positive ions floating around because they yeah. can – you know, inadvertently cause mm. action potentials, and they're a
0: signalling molecule as well. Exactly. Mm. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Right. Mm. So that's essentially the muscle contraction yeah. phase for you. Yeah. Now there are a couple of terms given to different types of skeletal
0: muscle contractions, aren't yeah. they? Mm. What so, are they? So there's uh, type one muscle fibers and type two muscle fibers. Yeah. Um, from my very basic understanding, is that type one muscle fibers are slow contraction yes. fibers. So uh, you would use it. Uh, they use aerobic metabolism, I believe. Yeah. And yep. um, whereas type two are fast contraction muscle fibers, where they use a bit of more anaerobic. Um, is there more that you can add
1: to it? I think with slow contractile muscle fibers, they're the muscles that you use. Let's say you're going for a hundred k okay. or a fifty k hike, right? Yeah. Whereas in a fast contractile muscle, they're the muscles that sprinters use where you need this immediate rapid source of energy, Mm. and then the muscles are gone Mm. after that. Your muscles fatigue very quickly, whereas the slow ones are the ones that are persistent. And, and can get you through, let's say, you know, a fifty meter. Sorry, uh, not a, a, a you know, a fifty k hike, for example. Yep. That's how I tend to remember it. Yeah. But there's also different terms given for different types of contractions that you might also expect to see. Yep. as Well, aren't they?
0: Yes. So this, these two terms are, that I'm going to introduce are called either isometric contractions or isotonic contractions. Mm. And at the point in at the, when we were learning this, what confused me was. Okay, I'll actually go through the confusion point after I explain it. So isometric contractions is when the muscle length is held constant. The muscle is pulling, but it doesn't short shorten. Yeah. Whereas isotonic contractions is when the uh, the muscle length actually shortens. Yeah. And what confused me at the time was, are there muscles that actually only do isometrics, or another other are muscles that only do isotonics? And the answer actually wasn't the case. So muscles go through these two phases. So let's say I am pulling a two hundred kilogram. Actually, no, let's go yeah, well, let's just <laughs> say I'm trying to pull a car. Go for a road Actually, road now, road. I wouldn't pull a car. But okay. Let's so, say you're trying to push like a trolley. There we go. Pushing a trolley. So I'm trying to push a trolley. Initially I I'm exerting force onto it but the trolley isn't moving yes. and so my muscle fibers actually aren't moving at the time as well so that's isometric contraction but once I've overcome the friction and then I, the trolley starts moving then my muscles actually start to changes. change and that goes into the isotonic yep. contraction that makes sense
1: yeah um, there's a lot more to this as well isn't there but I think mm. we had a discussion about this and we've I think we thought we will save it for cardiac because a lot of this applies to the cardiac yeah the length tension um, relationship yeah the very important one when we talk about pathology is like heart failure mm. but let's leave it at that i think yep. for skeletal muscle yeah now there is the cardiac muscle as well aren't they um that we need yep. to mention they've got some interesting properties mm. Very again very similar to skeletal muscle because remember cardiac ha- shares features of skeletal yep. and smooth muscle yes but they have
0: some interesting things that happen mm. um so let's talk yep. about action potential first yeah so well i guess the action potential isn't really doesn't really begin from the alpha motor neuron this time, does no. it? No. Because, um, you know, it, it's not a voluntary control. No. Um, they start from the pacemaker cells yeah. and, um, we'll go through that in cardiophysiology yeah. specifically. But one of the key distinctions was, at the t-, t tubule, was that was that what you had in mind?
1: Yeah. So what happens, I yes. guess, is that once the action potential comes in, you get a sodium influx yeah. inside the cell, which brings the cell to a positive charge. Yep. Yeah. And once you reach a positive charge, something interesting happens. So, mm. without going into too much cardiac physiology and action potential, let's mm. just say. Calcium channels open.
0: Yeah, a voltage gated calcium channel. Yeah.
1: Because yep. they're depending on the intracellular charge mm. and that causes calcium influx. Now, why is that important, Andy? Because they're not, this is not mechanical
0: couple, coupling, is it? Something yeah. else. Yeah. So previously I kept on stuttering and the, the thing that I got wrong was that the L type, so the dihydropyridine mm. channels in skeletal muscle are mechanically coupled to the sarcoplasmic yes. reticulum. But this time in a cardiac muscle, it's a voltage gated channel and they're not mechanically coupled. No. So no. they open up and they Cause extracellular calcium to flow into the uh, extracellular calcium to flow into the uh, cardiac muscle cell. Yep, and that acts itself as a trigger for the sarcoplasmic reticulum to release calcium again.
1: There's a term called there's a term um, that really Mm. sums up this point, isn't it? It's called something. Is it calcium something?
0: Uh, uh, Which one do you? I think think is
1: is it called calcium induced calcium release? Is I think what happens as Uh, opposed to mechanical. Yeah. Release which you see in skeletal mm. muscle. So this calcium goes in, yep.
0: and then the increased calcium causes the sarcoplasmic reticulum to release its mm. calcium content. I remember this this entire concept was a bit confusing at the time, and took took us quite a while to yeah. to figure yeah. it out what, what they were trying to talk about. But
1: and I guess when mm. contraction occurs, mm. the contraction properties are all the same as what we've talked about. Cross, you know, actin, yeah, etc. Yeah, myosin, troponin—they're mm. all all there. Yeah, it's just that initial. Uh, mediation or initial onset is Mm. different yeah one is mechanical yeah
0: one is electrochemical where calcium comes in and the calcium causes release of it this creates i I think this is a very interesting fact where let's say if you take some someone's heart and put it into a if you remove the all the extracellular calcium available then what this means is that without any extracellular calcium flowing in Despite an action potential triggering it, yeah. the heart won't contract. Yeah,
1: that's right. It 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 won't contract without that um, calcium influx going into the cell. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that is very interesting. Yeah, I think we should leave it at that because okay. there's a calcium. Uh, I mean, cardiac physiology it deserves its own you know its own topic. <laughs> ECG, yeah, definitely. There's a lot to talk about, so we'll yep. just leave it at that. Okay, let's finish up by talking about smooth muscles. I think because they've got a very unique and you know interesting mechanism of um contraction don't they yes so let's quickly talk about some of the steps involved in muscle smooth muscle contraction Mm. um now the mechanism is obviously significantly in my opinion different to in the initiation points are different to skeletal muscle they're they're really different yeah now there is no troponin so Mm -hmm. calcium regulates myosin um interactions with actin okay isn't that right? Sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's right. So
0: there is, no cal- there is no troponin. There's no doubt about it. Yeah,
1: yeah there's no troponin. So yeah. it's not troponin binding to calcium and then exposing the actin myosin. Yeah. Calcium directly acts on myosin. Mm. The question is, what are the steps leading up to that interaction? Yeah. So do you want to briefly mention what happens?
0: Yeah. So initially, the depolarization of the cell membrane can open up voltage-gated calcium channels. And so I guess from the initial part of it is you know the similar bit muscle similar. muscle yeah. neuron attaches and causes depolarization yeah. and then the calcium will then flow into the cell down its electrochemical gradient yeah. and what happens now is that this increases the intracellular calcium concentration yeah what's going to happen after that um before we talk about that we should mention okay. that
1: hormones and neurotransmitters mm-hmm all act in this sort of in a similar fashion where they yeah. cause um they can either cause calcium to come in yeah. or through second second messenger pathways such as IP three, mm-hmm. which I think is a one one I, know, I can never pronounce it, ionocystole one four triphosphate or yeah. just remember IP three yeah. causes, you know, um gated calcium channels to open and that causes calcium influx. Yeah.
0: And essentially all of them increase the intracellular the calcium
1: The point is that they increase intracellular calcium.
0: Yep. Yeah. Now, what happens
1: once the calcium concentration goes
0: up? These guys now bind to this thing called calmodulin. Yes. And this calmodulin complex activates this thing called a myosin light chain kinase, or MLCK.
1: Yep. Yep. And then what happens is that once MLCK becomes active... Yeah. um, It... uh, it phosphorylates the myosin, if I'm not mistaken, and yeah. that causes the myosin now to interact with actin and yeah. causes that cross-bridge formation. Ah,
0: so this is where you, you mentioned it was very different. So in skeletal muscle, once again to recap, the calcium exposes the binding site. But this one, it, it, you can see quite clearly,
1: it, it's very different. It's indirectly it. doing that via mm. the um, this myosin um, light chain kinase. Yeah. So... In terms of the extent and the tension of contraction, it really depends on how much calcium is available inside the cell. Oh, yes. If there's not enough calcium, then there's not enough interaction between the myosin light chain kinase mm. yeah. and, and its subsequent phosphorylation of myosin. Mm. If there's lots, then you're going to get a more vigorous So the higher
0: the calcium concentration, the, the more tense yep. the, uh, exactly. the contraction is. And there. as
1: the calcium ch- uh, concentration decreases through mm-hmm. a number of mechanisms, which we probably won't go into, mm-hmm. then that causes relaxation. Yeah. Now, the question is, there are two types of contractions, aren't there?
0: Yeah. What are they? So, with smooth muscles, they can either be phasic or they can be tonic. A tonic one essentially means that the tone is quite constant and continuous. For example, in the blood vessel, you would want the uh, contraction to be uniform and constant. Yeah. Um, whereas if you find smooth muscles in the gut where that help with peristalsis, etc., then these guys will contract in phases. Contract, relax, contract, relax. Yeah,
1: exactly right. Mm. So that's it for smooth muscles. Yeah. Um, so I think it's pretty easy to appreciate cardiac because it's very similar to um, skeletal. Yeah. Mm. Smooth muscles are slightly different in that the calcium... Mm. causes an intermediate that phosphorylates myosin to enable myosin actin binding mm. but um yeah that's about it i really don't have anything else to add to that no um i i'd say probably just uh, grab a physiology book yeah. a
0: good one and then um have a have a read of it and there's
1: lots of videos i think on youtube and, and other sort of um, media outlets that you guys can have a look at mm. so
0: yeah so thanks for tuning in thank you for tuning in yeah once again and uh, join us next time as we move further into musculoskeletal exactly right thanks guys
1: Our episode today was put together by our
0: executive producer, Gautam, and our co editor, Cindy. For notes, elective experiences, and much more study resources, visit our website on thecommonrounds.wordpress.com. Or visit us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. If you like our episodes,
1: please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. It means a lot to us. You've been listening to The Common Rounds. I'm Hamid. And I'm Andy. And we'll see you next time. See you next time.